Open your Bible, if you would, to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. As you're turning there, just a quick question. Why do seagulls fly over the sea? Why do seagulls fly over the sea? Because if they flew over the bay, they'd be called bagels. Bagels, hardly. Amen. So last week, in our journey with Joseph, we saw how he was finally remembered by Pharaoh's cupbearer. But it was not before two long years had gone by. Not to mention two years, but it was a total of 13 years since he had been sold as a slave by his own brothers. Thirteen years. Now, as a child of God, one thing that we come to truly appreciate is God's precious promises. Amen? Over the years, the more and more that we are a child of God, we we tend to appreciate God's precious promises more and more. And the most precious promises of all to me are the promises of blessings after we have endured life's fiery trials. Amen? After we have gone through those hardships, the promises on the other side, God's promises after the problems. Amen? The hope at the end of the hardships. You know, we mentioned Job. Job certainly knows hardship. Amen. Job went through a lot. Listen to what he said. He said, but God knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. He's talking about the refiner's fire, refining that gold into something pure, into something valuable. First Peter 1.7, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We have to understand that God allows us to, to, to go through these fiery trials in our life in order to refine us, amen? In order to remove any of the impurities that this world and the flesh has left upon us. Amen? God will allow us to go through these trials, these hardships, in order to refine us. We have to understand that he is molding us. He is conforming us into the image of his precious son, Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of that refining fire. Amen? That's the purpose of those hardships that he allows us to go through. What happens on the other side? We come forth as pure gold. Amen? Valuable and precious in his sight. Pure in his sight. And this is exactly what God was doing with this this young man, Joseph. He was working in this young man's heart, preparing him for the monumental calling that he had purposed for his life. You see, Joseph was now ready to be remembered. Amen? 
Joseph was now ready to be remembered. Now, last week we, we left Joseph as he stood before Pharaoh. Now, keep in mind, Pharaoh is the most powerful man in the entire world at this point. And we left Joseph, this young man, as he stood before Pharaoh, and he interpreted his dreams just as God gave it to him. And Joseph, no doubt, he could have used this opportunity for payback. Amen? Here, Joseph stood before Pharaoh, cupbearer, I'm sure, not far off from his sight line, the man that forgot him for two long years. Perfect opportunity for, for Joseph to use this as payback. Our flesh would have cried out for revenge, doesn't it? Amen? That's our human nature. The first thing we want is revenge. That cupbearer forgot me all these years. All that I did for him in that prison. Day after day, I, I counseled him and tried to make him feel better and comfort him. And then he just forgets me. But Joseph... He chose to walk after the Spirit and not the flesh. Amen? Joseph chose to walk after the Spirit and not the flesh. Joseph came to accept his circumstances. He came to accept his situation. He concluded in his heart, he said, Look, if God has allowed me to be arrested, if God has, has placed me in this nasty dungeon for all this time, then God must have a greater purpose for me and for my life. Amen? Joseph purposed that in his heart. So instead of using this time before Pharaoh, this, this, this perfect opportunity to proclaim his innocence, right? We'd want to do that. Proclaim the injustice that put him there. He, you know, someone lied. He was falsely accused. Our flesh immediately wants to cry out our innocence and, and the injustice that happened to us. But instead, this young man chooses to take this opportunity to glorify God. Amen. Let's pick up in, in Genesis 41. Let's skip down to verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and he came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. Look at verse 16. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream... I stood on the bank of the river, and suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then, behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such ugliness as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven, the fat cows. When they had eaten them up, no one uh, would have known that they had eaten them, for they were just as ugly as, as at the beginning. So I awoke. Also I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk, full and good. Then behold, seven heads, withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. 
and the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is a thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe." And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. So through God's wisdom, Joseph was able to interpret Pharaoh's dream. Egypt was about to have seven years of abundance, followed immediately by seven years of of an absolutely devastating famine. Look at verse 32. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice, because the thing is established by God, And that last part of 32 is important. And God will shortly bring it to pass. Joseph wanted Pharaoh to understand, look, God is going to bring it to pass, and it's right before us. It's about to happen at any minute. Once again, through God's wisdom, Joseph gives Pharaoh a plan on how Egypt can survive the seven years of this devastating famine. Pharaoh was defined a man of integrity, a man of of wisdom, a man of discernment that could oversee the rationing of the food for the the years of, of abundance, those seven years of abundance, but also to hand out that abundance for the next seven years during the famine. So for 14 years, 
he would need a man of wisdom, a man of integrity, a man of discernment to look over the land of Egypt. They would have to store up one-fifth of their crops during that seven years of abundance. So here this young man is faced with another challenge. Joseph now has another opportunity to walk after the flesh and look out for himself, doesn't he? He's standing before Pharaoh. God has given him the wisdom to interpret these dreams. Joseph could have said, look, Pharaoh, I'm the guy you're looking for. You need to put me in charge. I'm the one who interpreted your dreams. Amen? Had a perfect opportunity, didn't he? But instead, Joseph let God continue to work. Not just in him, but also in Pharaoh. You see what he said in verse 37? So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a man as this? Listen to what he says. A man in whom is the spirit of God. We have to understand who these words came from. Pharaoh was a pagan king who viewed himself as a god. The pharaohs of Egypt considered themselves as a god. Now this pagan king now puts his trust in the true and living almighty God. Why? Why would this powerful king do that? And the simple answer is he saw the Almighty alive in this young man, Joseph. Amen? Pharaoh, this pagan king, saw the true and living Almighty God alive in this young man, Joseph. He saw the true and living God in Joseph's words and in Joseph's actions. He saw them in Joseph's character. Amen? He saw it in Joseph's faith, no matter what his circumstances were. Especially through all these years of trials, all these years of struggles, those years of sitting in that dungeon just wasting away. And Joseph did not let his faith falter. A little bit here and there. But overall, he kept his faith. And that was a powerful witness to this pagan king, Pharaoh. For a believer like Joseph, man, he must have felt on cloud nine. Amen. To stand before this king, this, this pagan king, who considered himself a god, and then hear him talk about the true and living God. Probably felt a little sense of redemption at that point, didn't he? Made him feel pretty good. But God wasn't finished yet, was he? Amen? Skip down to verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, 
There was no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all of my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen. And he put a chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Now I want you to understand something about this ring. The king's signet ring. That ring was how the entire land of Egypt did business. If that piece of paper, if that contract to purchase something or sell something had the king's signet placed on that document, it was bound. Amen? That signet ring was a, was a free pass for just about anything. It was like having a credit card with absolutely no limit on it whatsoever. And it was the king's ring. And the king took it off his hand and put it on whose hand? Joseph's. Monumental. Now he's dressed in fine clothes, gold chains around his neck. You know, probably a Mr. T starter kit, you know. Gold chains, he's in a chariot. Has the king's ring on his hand. Well, that was a far cry from the dungeon, isn't it? This young man, he went from prisoner to being promoted. Promoted to second in command in all of Egypt. So let's kind of set the scene here. So here's Joseph. He's in the king's chariot. And he's being paraded through all the streets of Egypt. As the king's servants cry out, bow the knee. It's Joseph, ruler of Egypt. Now I want us to just pause and I want us to stop and I want us to think and put ourselves in the shoes of the average Egyptian. Amen? The average Egyptian of that day. You have no idea what transpired in the palace. You have no idea what Joseph has been through. You have no idea what Pharaoh dreamed. You have no idea that Joseph interpreted that dream or what's coming. You just see this young 30-year-old man being paraded through the streets as the new ruler of Egypt, second in command to only Pharaoh himself. What do we think? We think... Uh, this young guy, he must have brown-nosed his way to the top, amen? Isn't that what first goes through our mind? What's a 30-year-old know about anything? He has to know somebody. He must, he must be a relative of Pharaoh to be able to be put in that position at such a young age. Most of us would be guilty of thinking things like that, wouldn't we? You know, if we're honest. But we have to understand that youth 
does not always mean immaturity, just as gray hair does not always mean wisdom. Amen? God is the giver of wisdom. We have to understand that. He is the giver of wisdom, and he can and he will use the faithful of all ages to perform his will and his purposes. Amen? All ages. No matter how young, no matter how old. We read through the Bible, we, we read about young men like Joseph, young David, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. God used all of these young men. Their first calling was when they were in their teens, their teenagers. Amen? Teenagers. And then we have, you know, people like Abraham and Noah and Moses. God didn't call them until they were older in age. In fact, Moses... Moses was 80 years old when God spoke through that burning bush and called him to free the people of Israel out of Egypt. 80. Amen? God will, he can and he will use the faithful of all ages to do his will and his work. Amen? What most don't see and don't even notice is how Joseph stayed faithful, even when no one else was looking. In those times where no one else was around, in the shadows, Joseph stayed the same. He was the same person that stood in front of you as when he was by himself. And he remained faithful to God in all of his trials. We have to understand that he was chosen. He was called by God. He was prepared. And he was made into precious gold. Amen. But he also had to have a willing heart. He had to allow God to work upon him. And in his heart and in his life. Verse 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Friends, this is the promise after the problems. This is that hope at the end of the hardships far greater than anyone could have ever imagined what Joseph was promoted to. Amen? I want to close on a few points, a few things that we can learn about this passage. Number one, we need to trust God without panic. Amen? It's hard. When we're going through things, We're going through those fiery trials. It's hard not to panic. It's hard not to worry, isn't it? But we have to trust God without panic. No matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, no matter how hopeless things seem to be. 
irregardless of how deep that pain hurts. We have to continue to trust God without panic. Have faith that God will handle everything and everyone. Amen? Even those that hurt you. Those that stabbed you in the back. Those who lied about you, gave false witness. Those who have hurt you the most. We have to understand that vengeance is of God. It's not ours. Amen? Our job is to trust God, do that, be faithful in those little things. Amen? Trust God without panic, be faithful in the little things, and know that he will take care of those big things. Amen? He's going to remove those mountains and those obstacles, those roadblocks from your path. Our job, be faithful in the little things, let him take care of those big things. Amen? Secondly, when that reward finally comes, we have to thank God without pride. Amen. Trust God without panic, and we need to thank God without pride. In the trial, you know, that that hardship that we've been enduring, God has been at work that whole time. No doubt at times it seemed like he left us. We were all alone. But God never leaves us. Amen. That's his promise to us. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So during those times of hardships, when we're going through those trials, God is working on us. He's stripping away all of those impurities. And especially our pride. Amen. God is at work stripping away that pride, but as soon as that trial is over, what does the flesh want to do? It wants to take over once again. Amen? In that trial, we've accepted our circumstances, we've accepted our situation, and we're walking after the Spirit instead of the flesh, but soon as we're released, what does the flesh want to do? It wants to take control again, doesn't it? That flesh wants to take over, And allow that pride to resurface. Listen. As soon as you are released, thank God without pride. When you are promoted, thank God without pride. Understand it was you were promoted by his hands and not by yourself. Amen. You got through that trial because of his mercy and his grace, not of your own will. And we need to thank God when we get through it without pride. And when given the opportunity, we need to give him all the glory. Amen. Follow the example that Joseph had. He had opportunity after opportunity to praise self, to pat himself on the back, to look out for himself. But he didn't. He chose to use that opportunity to give glory to God. We have to put ourselves aside and praise God without pride. Amen? Now, there's no doubt some of you who are here today and have been going through it. And you're on the verge of that promise. You don't know it. 
just as Joseph did, and because God doesn't announce those type of things. Amen. But you're on the verge of that promise. Just keep trusting God, keep believing in God with all your heart, and know that there is hope at the end of the hardships.